Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance Podcast. My name is Bree, and I am joined by like personal fave, listener fave, author Juliet Highland is back. Juliet, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you so much, Bree. Also, you are making me blush sitting here at my computer, so I'm so glad to be back. <laughs> I first have to ask, how is Sister Becca? Because I haven't <laughs> had the opportunity to chat with Sister Becca in a while. And as I was reading your new book, I was like, there's a certain character that I was like, this feels like Sister Becca. <laughs> so she's doing, she is doing well. Uh, she has already asked, so I'm actually going to see her for Christmas. And so this book comes out the 26th of December, uh, but I have my art copies already. And she has already told me that I am supposed to bring this one with me so that she can have it um, when, we, when we go next week because it's oh. it will be in her like four book because she gets all the romances. Um, but she's like, I want out it early. <laughs> we are here today to talk about how to win a prince. Um, I... Already, I was able to read it early, and I I love it. So, in your dear reader, because I was like, I know that this was an under the bed story, so I had to like flip back to the dear reader because I was like, did I make that up? But no, in your dear reader, you said it was one of the the under the bed stories of yours. So, tell us, give us the 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 behind the scenes of like pulling it out of the bed. How did we finally get it on page, and it's about to come out? Sure. So this is. The only book that I have ever written that lived under the bed uh, that has ever gotten to actually come out and see the light of day. Uh, I don't know that any of the other ones are salvageable. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. This one, I had, I don't even remember where the initial idea came from, but I had this idea of what if the prince has to pull his bride's name from a hat? Um, obviously it's not an actual hat in the book. Um, but there was just, this, I don't know. It just, it stuck with me. And originally the original one that I wrote that didn't go anywhere. I had like six chapters of it to start with. And I originally pitched it to Harlequin back before I was a medical author. Really? Yeah. It's one of the first books that I pitched to Harlequin. I pitched a historical that will always live under the bed. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Um, <laughs> They are so sweet and they gave me a lot of feedback and they worked with me. I was, I was not ready to publish with the historical and that's perfectly fine. Uh, and then I tried with the romance line and I wrote a couple of chapters with it. And in that version, Alessio, every woman in every single woman in the country is in the lotto. Okay. Okay. And Brie so in that real, version, like Cinderella vibes. Like. Yeah, real Cinderella vibes. Okay. Um, and in that version, so in in How to Win a Prince Now, Prince Alessio and Princess Brie, she has a marketing firm and she's actually there uh, in order to help her friend Ophelia get her dress business off the ground. And she's been, she only has one entry. And so but she, the requirement is you ha you have to be at at the location. And in the original one that I wrote, Brie owned a bakery. Okay. Uh, and a it was a bakery slash coffee shop. And she wasn't there when the name is drawn. Okay. And so that was that's probably the biggest change that came out when I actually went back and was like, I need something. I mean, it's over the top, anyways, right? Like, obviously, a prince is not going to draw a princess's name out of a glass bowl. But that's but like that's the whole fairy tale aspect of it. Right. Like as I was reading it, I was like, 
I this only exists in romance. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, this absolutely. Only exists this is- in romance, and like that's so part of the charm of it. Yes, it is. I call this my like true candy book. Like it is just designed. It's just like fun candy. But when I was going through and like looking at repitching it, I realized that I needed some reason why she was actually there. And I mm-hmm. needed him to not be drawing. Originally, the king was alive. Okay, uh, <laughs> you would have hated him even more when he's alive. He was not a nice. <laughs> he's not a nice person um, when I wrote it either. But originally, he was alive. And he was, you know, the reason behind this whole thing and, and all of it. And I needed, I needed Alessio to have more agency in the decisions that he was making rather than having it happen to him. Uh, so that is where, and then after that happened, then I needed some reason why she was there instead. So I figured, I, re, I thought, you know what, what if she, what if she's a marketing manager and she's only there because she's got one name in and she's on social media live, which I will say that is a big thing too, because she's got a big social media presence. And when I originally wrote it, social media was obviously still a thing, but the idea of going live wasn't as um, common as like, it's just like standard nowadays, right? Like, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. So Back in 20, like, I, I love that idea of her being live when her name is called. Yes. And like dropping the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And she drops... She drops the phone because she. The last thing that that Briella wants is to be the princess. Right, right. She is there. Like so much of uh, so much of this is like about duty, and like she just loves her friend, and it's like kind of this duty to her friend, like wanting to show off the amazing work that her friend does. So when her name is called, and she drops the phone. <laughs> I was like, this only happens in romance. This is genius. Yeah, so, like. <laughs> Was the story just heavy on your mind? Like what in like what happened where you were like, I need to do something like I need to try this again? Or had you not stopped thinking about it? Like, how did that happen? So this was just a story that I so I in my mind, originally, I pitched it as the Prince's Lotto Bride. And there is another book that comes out uh this when mine comes out that has bride in the title already so they actually couldn't use the prince's lotto bride it's a whole marketing thing that mills and boone and harlequin and people that have way bigger marketing brains than than mine realized so they didn't end up using that title uh but in my brain that has always been the title of this book and it was just one that i could not get out of my mind and so i told i talked to my editor lori who's amazing and I was like, listen, I have this idea. And I pitched it and I told her kind of what it was. And she's like, you know, we'd love to see it. And so I got it all put together. And the fun part of it is that it's actually a series. I was hoping because I was like, okay, Sebastian, I need to have a romance now. Like Sebastian, I was a little weary at first, but he kind of won me over toward, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the book. And I was like, he doesn't have anybody. He doesn't. So, but Sebastian's story comes out uh, next, like, uh, end of spring next year. It's called How to Tame a King. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, and you will meet, you will meet his, um, his love interest. And I will say, keeping with the, keeping with the theme. So in How to, in How to Win a Prince, uh, Alessio is a glassmaker. 
and he actually makes the the bowl that he draws out right yeah yeah and so there's all these names in there and so there are two people that are mentioned in the story that have a full year's worth of um lotto like tickets yeah because a lot of a lot most of the like women that put their names in like put it in like a lot (laughs) and Brie did once (laughs) right Brie did once and then a couple of them because the idea behind it is every week the price goes up by the amount the ticket is so the first Mm -hmm. week it's free the next week it's 10 pounds the week after that it's 20 the week after that it's 40 because the idea behind it at least in Alessio's mind was I want I want people to think about this like this is actually a commitment right like yeah the contract they're signing each time they do that is a binding marriage contract and so the end of it is if you had all of the week's worth, uh, you would have, it's like 13,000 pounds. And so while several of them have multiple tickets in there, only two women have all the tickets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Sebastian puts both of those names in a hat in his story and pulls one of them out. Oh my gosh. Okay. So in keeping, in keeping with, in keeping with that. And then the third book you will see, um, won't be out until 2025. And, but that book is the, um, the sister of the, of the queen. Oh my gosh. So it'll kind of wrap into a nice trilogy. So I'm very excited because this book that I put underneath the bed that I did not anticipate uh, ever getting to share now is the kickoff of a trilogy. So, oh my god, I know. Sometimes those books underneath the bed just need a little bit more time. They just need some more time. Okay, so you said like, did you start writing it in like 2016? Was that? Around yeah. So I started this one in 2016. Um, I had written. So I wrote my first medical in 2019. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, so, I think that, like, I'm glad that regardless of when it, you know, how long it had to, it had to wait. I'm glad that it's come out because I do think as I was reading it, I was like, this is a very relevant, very timely book. I think regardless of like what side of the fence you stand on, I think like we're really invested in like royalty right now and like what it looks like and what it means. And specifically like with Brie, like the way her, like her just like, I don't know, like it's, I felt, okay, listeners don't come for me on this, but I was like, okay, this is very much a royalty romance written from the perspective of, I mean, we're in America. We, we don't have, we don't have royalty here. And I love that like Brie, even though her family disowns her, she goes out there and lives her life. She knows what it's like to struggle. She's like, I know what it's like to think I'm going to lose my tiny apartment, but she like works her way up. She starts marketing. She's like so good at what she does. And she just like that very American, like pick yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. I was like, she feels like one of us, but she is in this world. Like that is still like her bloodline. But I think you just, you really captured, I don't know, like the, the duty, the kind of isolation, like it's its own world. And you captured that just so wonderfully. So like, was that easy for you or what? Like writing the royalty aspect. And I'd love to hear you talk about Brie and like where that backstory idea came from for her. Cause it was sure. sad, but I was so proud of her. I was like, she feels like an American girl. <laughs> so I, I am an American, I am an American girl. I was born and raised in Texas. I now live in Ohio. 
And so like you were saying, we do have a very different feel, it seems like on royalty. Uh, We seem to either fall on one side of like being really big into generally it's the UK royal family and following that line. Or we're not into it at all. (laughs) Or we're not into it at all, right? And I actually fall into the secondary category. Same. (laughs) I'm not. But I'm loving them in the books. So. <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't keep track of, of the drama with the European royal families. Uh, I wish them all well, like they are humans. I hope they're all happy, but I, yeah. I don't, I don't follow. If I'm going to follow like social media stuff, I'm very much going to be like, where is, where is Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey right, right. now? Right. Like, that's what I'm <laughs> that's our royalty. <laughs> right. Yes. Like, that's, that's my queen. Um, so for mine, it's not, it wasn't so much looking at the idea of, you know, a specific royal family, it was more so playing with that idea of how do you have people that are so separate yeah. um, that actually, it's just kind of that idea of people that aren't even necessarily allowed to be, to be themselves. So that's the one thing that has always seemed to come across to me when you're looking at the royal families is, and I think celebrity is the same way. Like, I think you can, you can make the same argument if you're looking at, at celebrity, there's a very parasocial relationship. Mm-hmm. where people who don't know them really feel like they do know them and like they owe them something. Right. Right. Yeah. In reality, you don't actually know them. <laughs> like you don't exactly. You, yeah. don't, you don't, you don't know them. And in theory, they technically don't owe you anything or they shouldn't. And so it was really kind of playing it. It actually came up more so building a less yo first, like that idea of what if you felt you owed something there really isn't necessarily a reason for you to owe, but you don't know another way. Yeah. Oh, and I then, loved his love of like the glass blowing and he right. did get to be free for a little while. And you're just like imagining him kind of just all over the place living his life. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And so, so he was really like my, my original starting point. And then I needed, I needed a princess for him that wouldn't want the fairy tale because I think we know I mean, in theory, and it's, it's the reasons that everybody loves the romance line and the reason that to my dying breath, I will sing the praises of the presents line, even though they are completely over the top. And it is that idea of the fairy tale, you know, the, the prince or the billionaire or, you know, the wealthy tech guru sweeping in and money is no longer an issue. And so now you can do whatever you want. So I needed him to have a heroine that had kind of been in a place where like she she if she had wanted money all she had to do was bend to her parents will she could have had it she She could could have have had had it it. yeah she absolutely could have had it it would have been easy for her to have it if she had given up the things that honestly alessio is asking her to give up and i needed a reason why she why he had why he met someone that didn't and then throwing them together created all of that tension because then you know what happens if you start falling for someone who is in that public eye, we saw that whatever your feelings are about uh, Meghan Markle and Harry, you know, we kind of saw it there. And right now, I would think you're kind of seeing a little bit of it with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, that idea of you find yourself in love with someone who the world thinks is their BFF, or, you know, the person that they've always kind of crushed on, like all of those things. Now what? Because to you, they're a person, yeah. but to everybody else. And I loved that, and this is why I think I enjoy like reading the royalty romances. I've grown to appreciate them is that 
you do make them like people. Like I loved that Brie loves coffee. I was like, this is this is a little Juliet because we know Juliet. Oh, yeah, loves absolutely. <laughs> she loves coffee. And then okay, this is what really got me. She fell asleep watching reality TV. <laughs> Because we don't we don't know anything. We don't know what Kate, you know, if she loves what if she has a favorite author or, sure. you know, what Megan falls to sleep watching at night. We don't get to know those things. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like you're supposed to look at them and like respect kind of the title. But it's like you'll never know them as people. So getting those little insights into like Brie and Alessio is like, I love this. They felt like real people. Yeah, I wanted I wanted them to be real people. I wanted them to be something that isn't just a put on a glittery dress and walk out and wave to people. Because mm-hmm. honestly, that is what the people that dress up like Cinderella and Belle and stuff at Disney World do. And so I needed them to be a little more 3D than that. With creating, is it Cel- Celiana? Or Celiana. Cel- yes. How Okay, it's, so Brie does not want the fairy tale. She could care less. But she finds herself in this situation where, you know, she's like, okay, here's, I'll make, I'll make you a deal. And Celiana is this place that has this reputation of being like this honeymoon spot and all of that. Um, Was that original to the story or was that something you, you know, revised and edited and added to? So that is original to the story. Okay. Because I needed a reason why, particularly in that first story where the king is still alive. (laughs) um his name his name is um Cedric in the story yes. and it was very fun when I made the decision of like actually you can be dead um yeah, even from the grave King Cedric was mean okay even from the grave <laughs> he's not very likable yeah he's not supposed to be wait until you find out how Sebastian gets to be the way he is Ugh. oh Sebastian's so wounded I feel like okay no. <laughs> <laughs> um but I needed a reason why why the king would be willing to basically take a gamble on whoever's coming in, right? Mm-hmm. Because in theory, if you're doing this right, like quote unquote right, um, you'd have some sort of control over what those names or what names actually come out. <laughs> um, so I needed a reason why this needed to be a true lottery type fashion. And so the idea had, was that um, they had this mystique of kind of the island being the honeymoon capital and everyone kind of coming there and then it having dried up. I didn't call it directly out in the story, but I did kind of with this one lean more into the idea of, you know, we went through 2020 and there just wasn't a whole lot of travel that was done for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so while I didn't call out, you know, like there had been, you know, a global pandemic and all of that kind of fun stuff, I did kind of lean into the idea of basically the tourism industry had collapsed and was now coming back. And so they yeah. needed to draw back the people that they had had originally. Creative wise, let's let's talk the writing piece because I'm interested in this. I when I finished the book, I was like, the more that I read your books, like I know I've learned through doing the podcast how important voice is. Like I hear you all talk about it all the time, and I'm like, Juliet's voice just sparkles. Yours is one of those voices, and I'm like, okay, uh-huh. I feel like now I could rip a cover off and I'd be like, yep, that that's Juliet. Creative-wise, writing-wise for you, how did this feel different? I mean, obviously, with with your medicals, you know, the reader promises are very different, I'm assuming, for for both of these. They are. Um, But, like, your your writing of your heroine, your writing of your hero, how did it feel different for you? 
Because you wrote this first, but you sold a medical first and you've been writing medicals and just knocking it out of the park. So how did it feel? I did. So I sold medicals first uh, and I really enjoy writing the medicals. And that was one thing that I talked about with Lori when I said, you know, I wanted to look at potentially writing for the romance line was I was very upfront that I that did not mean that I wanted to go away from medicals. I just wanted to expand a little bit. And this is going to sound really silly, but (laughs) in medicals, at least there are usually at least three, sometimes four medical scenes where the hero and the heroine are together. And you know that those are there and they're very like good ways to like kind of like opposite drama between them as they're like working through this crisis together. And you don't have that outside of the medical line, like outside of the medical line, you aren't going to break arms and have heart attacks and, and suddenly someone's having, um, giving birth on a plane, which I've done. Um, my characters have done. I have not done. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so I was actually really worried when I started writing this one that without having those couple of scenes in there, like, was I going to be able to write, you know, a full story kind of thing. And so I think that was my like biggest concern coming in was like, you know, if I drop out four medical scenes and then this one, these are, they're not sweet because they are going into higher heat now. So the romance line for a while was closed door. It's not anymore. Uh, so when I originally wrote this one, uh, I wrote it closed door and then uh, got asked yeah. because my medicals are open door if I'd be willing to open the door. And you opened the door. I did. <laughs> Just fine. I opened the door. Um, I kind of took after a little, I took some of, um, you've read Rachel Stewart's romances, haven't you? Uh, she also opens the door. Yes. And she's a former dare author. So similar thought process behind that. So with writing these, it was kind of having that thought process of like, okay, I want to make sure that the story is upping the tension and that you're constantly getting that push pull, but in a different way, obviously, than you would in a medical story. And I wanted it to feel very different than my medical stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted it to kind of come across as, you know, something that is, it is a Juliet Highland story, but it's something that is very different. Like there is no hint of any type of like medical scenario in these. That's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, this is Juliet's voice, but this is different in a good way, a good positive way. Like I was was like, this is different. This is, this is different for her. I was like, it's still her voice, like at the core of it. So, okay. If you had to say like kind of the hallmark of a Juliet Highland romance, like what is it for you? Cause you're so right. They're different, but it's still you. So how did you balance that? How did you do that? So I always say that my thing is strong heroines, swoon-worthy heroes, and happily ever afters. And so all of my heroines have this very, even if they're like Brie and they're rebuilding themselves, you know, starting from the ground up. And for those who haven't gotten to read the story yet, she came from from the richest family on the island. They have more money than than the royal family even does. And when she refused to marry who they wanted her to marry, they kick her out. So like yeah. she's literally, and when they kick her out, they kick her out, out. Like she doesn't have access to a trust fund. She, like she's legitimately starting pretty much from zero. And so, you know, whether they're, whether they're doing that or if they are like in my medical books, um, they are, you know, very educated um, heroines who are either nurses or doctors, you know, in, you know, the top of their field kind of thing, really coming across and having 
that kind of strong female personality that's in there, but then also playing along the idea as someone who works in a very outside of the uh, outside of the writing, I work at a very male dominated field. There are challenges, I would say, um, that kind of come along with this idea of expectations for women. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you've seen the Barbie movie or even heard of the Barbie movie, the the America Ferrero uh, conversation that she has at the end, or, you know, all of those things on how do you how do you attempt to have it all? And so that's kind of where my heroines are kind of always in that like struggle that I think a lot of us hit on, you know, how do you, how do you write stories and work full time and be a caring mother and a supportive wife and have hobbies or do any of the, like all of those things wrapped together. You know, there's always, I think Nora Roberts once said, I'm almost positive it's Nora said that there were, that she had balls up in the air and some of them were glass balls and some of them were plastic and you had to know which balls were okay to drop. And some of them were career balls that you could drop and some of them were family balls that could drop that you just couldn't drop the glass ones. So all of my heroines are always kind of struggling with that kind of idea. That was a very long answer. Sorry. No, that's perfect. And I think, I think that's why I love them because I feel like your heroines are capturing, I don't know how, what it is to be a woman today. Like we are expected to, you know, if you're a mom, you're supposed to mom, you're supposed to go to work. You have to do dinner. Those dishes need to be done. Like there's only 24 hours in a day, but the things that we're expected to do, it's like, there's just not enough time every day to do it. (laughs) So. Yeah. And something is always, something always seems like it's falling and just kind of, you know, the heroine's dealing with that idea of how do, how do I be a complete person while still being, being myself? But I'm also very, I also try really hard to make sure. And Brie, I think does that really well. If Alessio is not there, she's still a full complete person on her own. She is. She absolutely is. Oh, the scene where she like, I don't know why this makes me think of that, but when she stands, she like he walks ahead of her and he doesn't realize that she stayed behind to look at the ruins. And it's like this powerful moment where it's like, dude, you left her again. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, but she she's okay. Like she's yep. she's okay standing there by herself, knowing that like everybody's around waiting to see if he's gonna hold her hand the entire time. Like, I don't know. That that scene just like really got me. I was like, she's okay. She's got this. Yep. She may be pissed, <laughs> but oh, she's absolutely okay. she is. <laughs> um, so getting it as a three book series. How did we, how are we getting that? Was like after Lori was like, yes, we want it. Was it like, can you do more? Or did, did you already have the other stories in mind? So I pitched the idea of having, I pitched the idea of two because I wanted, so after I sent this one in, I was like, you know, if you want Sebastian, she's like, yeah, we'll want Sebastian. I was like, fantastic. Um, And then when I did the way I set up book two with Sebastian and his, um, his love interest, her name is Brianna. Um, and the idea behind that is I wanted Queen Brie and Queen and Princess Brie, except Brianna doesn't want to be called Brie at all. So like it's the, obviously the media tries very fast to set them up like they're one and the same and they're very much not. Um, but she has a twin sister, Annie. And so the third book is actually Annie. And then he's actually not in How to Win a Prince very much. Um, he was when I originally wrote the story. Um, but then with some edits and stuff, we had to cut a little bit because I went over and (laughs) (laughs) 
so originally you got to see more of Bree's brother, Bo. And so the... the oh, she is so hurt by Bo. She misses Bo. She does. So you see Bo in book two. And then the final story is Annie and Bo. So that's kind of how, how I built it. But I will have... Um, there will be another romance that comes out in between how to um, tame a how to tame a king and Annie and Bo's story. I'm I'm writing a, a Beauty and the Beast retelling um, in between those, and, and that one will be a standalone. Like it's not with the yep. series. Yeah, oh, that one will be a standalone. Cool. Okay, so you tell me about like you what okay so my kind of hope is what I'm trying to capture in these chats leading up to the new year I've been told from fellow podcasters that are like in these discords like hey a lot of people are wanting to know more about category because obviously like afterglow people are hearing about it they know it's a category Mm -hmm. so as a writer of both medical and now romance or true love if you're overseas like how because you you like you wanted this to be in romance way back when, right? Like that was the goal. Mm-hmm. So what do you love about that line specifically? And for anyone that hasn't read it, if they're a newcomer, how do you describe the romance line to them? So Harlequin describes it as being swept away by glamorous and heartfelt love stories. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest difference between, because they still kind of have that fairy tale aspect that Presents has. But the biggest difference is the heroes that are in the romance line are not the alpha holes. Very true. Okay. You cannot write an alpha hole hero in romance. So if you really like the idea of that like fantasy, like over the top um, drama, the glamorous locations, the, the, this probably would never happen outside of, you know, like a lifetime Christmas movie or something like that, but you just can't stand and they're not for everyone. Okay, I love the presents line, but I also understand that alpha heroes are not everyone's jam and that's okay. But if you like that kind of idea of that, like just like getting swept away and like the drama and the royalty and that sort of thing, but you like a hero that's a little bit closer to a cinnamon roll, the romance line is your candy. Going a little bit further, obviously, I mean, medical kind of speaks for itself, but sometimes I feel like medical and romance and even presents can be feel very similar it's just we are medical professionals is did this feel besides the like the scenes that you said you had you knew that weren't going to be in there they kind of sounded like milestones that you know when you're writing your medicals you know like i i'm gonna hit this i'm gonna hit this yeah you have to build build in medical scenes is that like tone wise mood wise does does it still did it feel still feel similar just like taking out those scenes did it still feel similar writing wise because I feel like sometimes medical and romance can feel very much the same so I I think that tone wise they I think particularly because the heroes can have to come off as more of that cinnamon roll type hero because here's the thing in the real world are you going to run into just an absolute jerk of a neurosurgeon yeah but that's not who I'm going to write as a hero Oh, heck no. And so I think because you are very much dealing with much more cinnamon roll type heroes, I think that's a lot of times why they can, they can, if you enjoy medicals, there's a very good chance that you will like romance and vice versa. Those jumps are not as easy to make into something like presents where you're very much looking at kind of that alpha hero 
um, or into something like the intrigue line where you're dealing very much with, you know, your law enforcement and they're like trying to solve a crime and, and things like that. Um, so I think that's why those two lines can seem a little similar. I think one of the other reasons that sometimes the tone comes off a little bit similar is because there are several medical authors and romance authors that write for both lines. So what are you enjoying about now writing for both? <laughs> so I really enjoy writing medicals with all sorts of like different medical personnel, but the romance line does let me open my aperture. Yeah. So it's fun to be able, so like my Beauty and the Beast retelling that I will start writing probably middle of next year. Uh, I That one's going to be, uh, she's basically an art historian and he's an art collector kind of thing. And that's oh something I Oh my gosh. Do. I love a art history heroine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and he's, he's a hermit art collector and like, yeah, um, I'm very excited. But that's not a story that I could get away with in like the medical line. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that I like the most is that I get I get to kind of widen that aperture and have have more stories that I can tell uh, versus just having the the um, the medical the medical romance. Plus, the romance line feels a little bit less. I think I told you guys when I was here one time that the medical line really feels like a small town. Yes. Yeah. And the romance line, some of the stories feel that way, but not all of them. And so it kind of lets me play a little bit with a little bit of a wider world too. Yeah, that's so true. I've I've started, uh, I have used that. I tell everybody all the time, I'm like, when we first talked to Juliet Highland, she's like, if you like small town, you're going to enjoy medical. So that is literally how I pitch it to people yep. now. I'm like, do you read small town romance? <laughs> So yeah, because your small town is just your hospital or your clinic or or whatever it is. Like that is it is they are truly small town romances. They're just in medical settings. Oh my gosh! I don't know. When I read How to Win a Prince, I was like, she was just so meant to write in this line. And I love <laughs> seeing. I love when I see you all branch out and like write in like more than one line. I just think it's cool to see your voice somewhere else. I can't wait for this Beauty and the Beast retelling. I'm so excited that we still have two more. I'm very excited. The Beauty and the Beast retelling is one that I have had. It's an idea that's been in my book for like, been in my, I have a notebook that I keep of like ideas and stuff. Some of which will never see the light of day. And some of which I'm like, one day I'm getting to you. And it I mean, is but clearly your like under the bed, never see the light of day books can be hits because this one was <laughs> great. Well, I appreciate you saying that. However, I will say there is there is a fantasy there is a fantasy romance under there that is. I actually had someone. I actually I had a beta reader read it for me one time, and her response to it, she's like, "If I could have buried the hero, I would have." <laughs> like, he is not likable at all, and and she's right. He's not. Um, and then there's one that's under there that I actually, the only time it comes out from underneath the bed is I run a writer's group and a couple, every once in a while, someone that's new to the group will be like, but I could never do, you know, because I am now on, like, I just published my 15th book and all of that. And they're like, I don't think I could ever do that. And so that one comes out because in the first opening, like paragraph, opening, sorry, the opening chapter there, I found a list like years ago and it's things that like first time writers do that they shouldn't. And I did all 10 of them in this first chapter. (laughs) It opens on a dream sequence. Oh no. She, she she wakes up and describes herself in a mirror. I mean, like, Oh my God. It is, it's absolutely like, 
it's terrible. Like it's absolutely terrible. And so that one actually does get to come out every once in a while. So I'm like, no, I want you to see, like I write for Harlequin, for Mills and Boone. This is quite legitimately the very first thing that I wrote. No one should see it. It will not go anywhere, but that's okay because it was just my proof that I could write 80,000 words. Yeah. And if I can start with this, where she's literally waking up from a dream, which everybody knows you're not supposed to do. then I promise you, you too can write a story that will, that will make you happy and will make other people happy. And here we are 15 books later, you know? Yeah. How to Win a Prince is uh, actually my 15th, my 15th for Mills and Boone. So 15 books in, what have you learned about yourself as a writer or like, you know, what would you tell Juliet at book one, you know, knowing what you know now? Wow. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would tell Juliet then and what I would tell anyone that's writing their second, third, whatever book you're on is I thought that after I hit two or three, like after I did two or three, that like feeling of imposter syndrome would go away and that I would suddenly be like, yeah, no, I know what I'm doing. And I think it just always is something that most creatives live with. Mm -hmm. I dislike feeling of, you know, what if this is what if this is the book that I write that doesn't that doesn't sell or that my editor comes back with on like, were you serious? What were you doing or thinking? Or yeah. I have had days where I have sat down on a brand new story and thought, do I even know what I'm doing? And that is not something that I would have thought 15 years in. I would, 15 years, wow, not true, 15 books in would still be there. So I Which think- Which is amazing I, when you think about it. You started <laughs> right. your first medical in 2019. So that is amazing. Yes. Um, yeah, 15 and not quite four years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a lot. But I think I think it's, I think I am more comfortable now at 15 books knowing that that feeling is just something that I, that is there. But it was also there at book one and it was there at book eight and it is there at book 10. And all of those have gone on and done fine. And I will be fine this time as well, too. That's just a feeling that is that you push past to get to the dream that you want. Um, because you, I mean, you, you work. Your mom, your wife, 15 books. First one was in 2019. When are you actually finding the time to write? <laughs> so I always joke with people that you shouldn't attempt to do what I do um, for some of the writers. I think uh, Maisie Yates is probably, I think she can answer this question fairly well too. It, I, this is what I do for fun. Mm-hmm. Like I, yes, it is a job. It is absolutely a job. And I treat it as a job and all of those things as well. But if you were to ask me, uh, I've not seen like that, like Ted Lasso, I've not seen Ted Lasso. I've not like the, I'm trying to think of like the other like larger television shows that are out right now that they talk about in my office that I cannot think of. Cause you're too busy writing. (laughs) You know, you haven't watched it. Yeah. Right. So those types of, those types of things staying up with like pop culture and stuff like that. It's just not, it's, it's just not something that I, that I do because the free time that I do have is spent writing my stories. So with the exception, my sister and I did very much get into um, the twin flames documentaries. Wow. Well, I mean, speaking of sister Becca, like I told, I don't know. I just like, 
I just, there was one scene with Ophelia. She said, this is where she kind of corners him. She says, she's had a lifetime of hurt. You do not get to add to it. So if you hurt her, crown or not, you will answer to me. And I was like, is Ophelia's spirit animal Sister Becca? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So almost always when my heroines have a sister, unless that sister is something. So like when you see Annie in um, How to Tame a King, she's not that relationship is not similar to my sister's and mine's relationship. Okay. Um, But a lot of times when you see like the sister relationships or the really good friend relationships that are there, a lot of that really kind of is just me channeling um, the relationship that my sister and I have, because we are very fortunate that we, that we have an excellent relationship. And we were talking like 15 minutes before I came on the show. So about, about other things. I love that. I, my sister and I are very close and we were talking before I got on here to record. So I I just, I was like, this feels like sister energy. I feel like this is sister Becca. So yeah. Yeah. So Ophelia is some of the stuff, particularly that, particularly that scene. A lot of that is, I was like, yeah, it would definitely be, Becca would be in there just like cornering and being like, absolutely not. Well, tell me, like, tell us something, you know, some, some book, like most recent unputdownable like if you've had the time to read rather it's been recent or sometime throughout the year like what have you been enjoying so I just started with uh the mercenary librarian okay uh okay. Roca. I think I'm saying kid's name kid's I think that's name, right, right. Yeah. uh the very first one is deal with the devil I have not <laughs> I'm almost halfway through it I'm gonna spend some time this afternoon and but I it, I started it on, let's see, today is Sunday, so Friday. Oh my gosh, okay. It's I. It's it's not category romance, and it's dystopian. Um, so like it's, in, it's set in like in the not too distant future, but it's like a dystopian romance. I <laughs> okay, just pulled it up on Goodreads. I am obsessed with the cover. It looks very, I don't it, know, dystopian fantasy it, paranormal. It's so good. The heroes. <laughs> Like the both the women and the men, like they're kind of like super soldier type ability. I think like I think it's on like the tagline for it, either on Goodreads or someplace else. Maybe it was on our website. Is basically like Rogue Captain America falls in love with Wonder Woman and then they save the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> but they're. I love it because I remember like you are like into like paranormal and dystopian yes. and all that. And Sister Becca is not. <laughs> no, there's no way she's going to read this. However, I do have a friend at the office who will read a lot of these. Uh, so I got her, I got her hooked on Katie. Ro- I got um, her hooked on Katie Robert, Katie Robert um, a while back. And then I just actually just told her on Friday when I was leaving the office, I was like, you've got to read deal with the devil. It's so good. <laughs> like, oh, I was like, not yet, but we're going to, it was like, we have to talk about this. So, and then she had me, I did read the Akatar series because that friend at the office was in Akatar. And I will say I was surprised. I, I, I enjoyed them more than, more than I thought I would just because usually I like my fairies a little bit darker, but yeah, not that oh. the fairies in Akatar aren't dark, darker, but as my sister likes to say, are they putting jars in, are they putting tongues in jars? Tongues in the not, jars. Right. <laughs> sister Becca will never let that one go. She won't. I still hear about it. I, years <laughs> later, I still hear about that. <laughs> Although she lost a bet with me, and she was supposed to read, um, she was supposed to be uh, read the first uh, Ice Planet Barbarians, but that's no way. She started the first <laughs> two pages. She called me. She was, "What is this?" It's like it's uh, what you lost a bet on. <laughs> if she ever 
reads that. Like, I need to hear all about it. <laughs> well, she read the first Cressley Cole book, too. She, I got a phone call on that one, too, because she was like, I'm sorry, did he just, like, break his leg to get out? She's like, this book starts with him in chains. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> she's like, how I really you threw her into the fire on that one. <laughs> You know, but she's like, she's like, how do you forget? And I was like, well, a lot happens in that book. Oh, yeah, that is, they are like, oh my gosh, mass market paperback at their finest, like just thick little paranormal. (laughs) It's a lot. Like, you'll see how suddenly him like setting himself on fire and like breaking out of his chains isn't the thing that sticks with you. Give it time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, can you tell everybody where they can keep up with you online? Sure. So I have an Instagram page where I'm author um, Juliet Highland. I'm on Facebook also at author Juliet Highland. I'm not really on. I technically I'm at Juliet Highland on Twitter or X or whatever they want to call it now, but I'm not there very much. Uh, Maybe I'll be on Blue Sky at some point. Uh, I do have a YouTube page that I'm planning on putting more stuff out on in the new year and that's just i uh, youtube do it highland yes so you, we'll should. Kinda, you should we'll kind of go from there and then i will be at spring fling next year in chicago if uh, anyone's in the chicago area and they want to come to the chicago spring fling uh miss bev jenkins herself is the keynote speaker so i'm gonna do my best to not completely lose my mind and <laughs> going over that <laughs> right. oh my gosh oh my gosh doesn't social media feel like I don't know. Doesn't it feel weird right now? Like, I, don't, I feel like we don't really know how to use Instagram. Like, are people there? Are we? Are people not there? It's like engagement is so weird. TikTok, it's like, I feel like we're kind of like, who cares? Like, it's so weird. I, I was like, how are the authors feeling about social media right now? Like, Twitter's weird. It's just weird right now. It's a lot. Um, I So I technically have a TikTok. It's Juliet Highland. I put stuff there so rarely that when I do the algorithms, like you're hilarious. Um, <laughs> Same. I don't understand it. And I, I know like, I get the basic premise of it and I enjoy watching videos on TikTok. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I'm on TikTok. I'm just not making videos on it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a lot. Like it's, it does seem like we're going through a little bit of a shift on that. Marketing's always, marketing's always fun anyways, because you're just some things that you don't think will work just are giant successes and then other things that you're like, well, this will be a sure bet or this worked really, really well. Like three weeks ago, it won't work this time around. So I will say the actual marketers out there that like can follow the trends and know exactly what's going on. They are definitely worth their weight in gold. If you're, if you're looking at, I don't, I try to do my own, but I'm always so impressed with the people. I'm like, wow, like, how do you do this for a living? Yeah. Impressive. Very impressive. I think it's like, what gets me is to really be, like to be successful or to have the hits you have to be on it all the time and I just think realistically a lot of us just don't have the time for that so yeah that's that's kind of my thing I don't I don't have the time so I pretty much plan on being I I enjoy Instagram yeah I like putting up pretty pictures I like doing pictures there so I am much more active on Instagram than any place else and then I do enjoy YouTube which is why I decided I would start trying to like put some stuff out on YouTube just because I just because I like it there I'm not planning like there the videos will be fine but they're not going to be I'm not going to I don't have time to spend you know a day and a half editing them which the people that are doing like the solid like really good 
uh, YouTube videos. It's a job. It's a full-time job. It and yeah. the work they do is impressive, but it is their full-time job. Well, I can't wait for that. I'm so excited. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> wait. <laughs> well, thank you for hanging out with me today. It's just always so fun to catch up with you. And I can't wait to read these next books. We'll have to do this again. You have more books coming out. I will be reading them. I mean, I am subscribed to the romance line, so I'll be getting them. Um, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Thank you for branching out and giving us more books from you. you this one was fantastic. So I can't wait for the rest. Well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me. I always enjoy coming and chatting with you.